Hot cups of coffee and waking up easy Wasting the day to spend the night You know, living ain't easy But it ain't so hard Rockin' and rollin' with you by my side Yo! This is Alternate Take, and I am your host. Welcome back, bitches. On today's episode, we brought to you the country music artist, the Americana artist from Nashville, Tennessee, Dylan Smucker. Man, I can't say enough about this guy, dude. Uh, you guys know me and my music, dude. I'm very particular. Okay? I'm very particular, dude. I don't like trash shit. Um, and obviously it's subjective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's music is different. No, it's not. Okay? I don't like when people are like, it's, your art is your art. Fuck off with that shit. It's either good or it's fucking not. And then people are like, yeah, but it could be good next to somebody else. Doesn't know it. That's not how music works. I'm sorry. I, I don't buy that shit. You, you ever meet people like that where they're trying to justify how good their shitty fucking taste in music is? And you're just like, hey, you just like fucked up shit. Get over it. This is not one of those situations. This is actually a phenomenal situation. Dylan's music is unique, but also not, which is crazy. And the reason I say it's not is because this is his music is, is or his style of music is like the original country music. Like this is the stuff that like you would hear like if I was Wyatt Earp, I would jack off to this shit hoping that someone would make this for me, you know? If I was like making moonshine in like the 30s, I'd be like, "Fuck yeah, this this music really fucking makes my pubes stand up." This is the kind of music it is. And that's why I mean it's like original. And that's why I would say it's unique because it's not around anymore. That's why it's unique, but it's also not because this is what started it all. You know what I'm saying? And he has that type of feel to his music. It's it's genuinely very beautiful, man. Uh, so it was a good time to talk to him and see uh, what his influences were and uh, how he got to be where he's at. And, uh, you know, he just became a, a a father, actually. So congratulations to Dylan and his old lady. Uh you know, nothing but the best to you and your family, man. But uh, I don't want to talk too much on here, man. I bring to you the baddest motherfucker from Nashville, Dylan Smucker. Howdy. Can you can you hear me out there? Yeah, I can hear you, man. Sweet, dude. Sorry I'm a little late. Oh, that's all good, man. Uh, do, you have a, do you have a video or what? Um, yeah, I got video. Can you see? You can't see me yet? No, I can't see you yet. Let me get it. Oh, here we go. Sweet. I'm a 27 year old like that understands technology like a 75 year old bro. <laughs> nice man. I, I, I keep an acoustic. You know what I'm saying? Like just like an acoustic guitar, acoustic with the coffee, acoustic with the cigarettes. Did you see that meme that was like acoustic is like cigarettes and coffee, and then electric <laughs> is like Red Bull and a vape. You know. Dude, I'm with you, man. I'm the same type of guy. Dude, I still got vinyl records and shit lying, yep. lying around here, and I'm oh, with you, buddy. How's it going? What time is it out there for you, bud? It's good, man. It's, uh, let me see, 10, 10 a.m., so it's not bad. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm a little hungover, though, so, but we're going to make Dude, it fucking work. That's the life most of the time, man. You know, we got to survive hungover half the time. Dude, so how do you... So how do you do that? That sounds impossible to me, dude. Like as a musician, you're fucking drinking all the time and everyone's giving you free shit. And dude, like, you're right about the free shit. I mean, uh, I guess my one, my one buddy used to actually have a bucket on stage that he'd be like, thanks for the shot and wait for people to leave and just never drink it. And then just chuck it in the bucket. <laughs> I don't know who drank that hooch at the end of the night, but yeah. that's one way, you know, um, 
but man, for me, I don't, I don't drink before shows. Usually if I'm doing a show, I take it pretty seriously. I'll have like a beer or two on stage, but back in the rock and roll days when I was in a rock and roll band called iron vessel, which we'll probably likely bring back eventually. Um, I mean, yeah, we were just hammering beers, you know? And I yeah. guess, I guess you just, I mean, if you're on tour, you're either just hungover for the whole tour or you got to get your shit together if you're doing back-to-back dates. Um, but yeah, local shows, I mean, with the rock and roll band, I kind of don't miss that. We went, we went hard, bro. Do you think we it's a little hard? Do you think it's a little bit easier just to like uh to drink more when you're in a band because it's like everyone's doing it, but when you're the leader of the band, it's kind of like you have to be more focused and get everyone's shit together. Uh, yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, hundred percent. Like if I, I you kind of nailed it on the head. Like if I'm if I'm doing a country, you know, with the project I'm doing right now, doing country shows, especially because last uh, just yesterday we did a show at Acme Feed and Seed. And there was a family emergency with my bass player and he couldn't make it. So I was like, bro, don't worry about it. Don't come in, take the day, be with your fam. And then I had to call some random bass player, like out of the blue, didn't know he was like a world-class player. Apparently he's like played the Ryman and stuff and all that. My, my uh, pedal steel guy knew him. Ne- old steel Neil Jones plays pedal steel for us. So he calls this guy out of the blue and uh, you can only really do that with country. Like with rock and roll, it's like, I mean, you got so many different chord changes and parts and riffs. It's yeah. like, that's not possible. But the one thing I do love about Nashville country and the way people do it here is like, you know, if you get a guy that can chart music and you have him out, I mean, the dude didn't even chart. I was like, you want to chart him out? He's like, no, I'll just watch your hands. I was like, damn. This guy's damn. So he played them all on the spot, on the fly. Show went smooth. Didn't have to cancel the show. Didn't have to do it by myself. Um, but yeah, in those situations, I have to absolutely just be like head on a swivel. You know, if, I, if I'm getting too relaxed and having too many beers, it'll it'll go down the toilet pretty quick for sure. <laughs> I love it, man. Well, anyway, ultimate take, listeners, we got on the podcast for you, Dylan Smucker. Dylan is a country music artist out of Nashville. And, uh, dude, you're one of my favorite musicians uh, in the current scene right now, man. Dude, dude to be honest, cool. man. Yeah, dude, seriously. Because, like I said, dude, I'm old school too, man. I, I like all different types of country, don't get me wrong. Like, But when it gets too poppy, it, it kind of loses me, man. Like, I'm, Oh, I, yeah. You know uh, what I mean? There's, there's so many sub-genres now. There's, like, your beer-drinking country, which is just – it's like, it's like beer is God. Right, right all these beer songs that that's all it's about and yeah then you got your like straight bro country which is party stuff for like pontoons right know? yeah like, exactly and then you know you got your pop country which i don't i don't hate pop country too bad you know it makes money for some people i always say you know if you're just a listener and a fan go ahead and shit on any kind of music you want correct but if you're an artist i've kind of learned like you don't know who who's in the room that's like yeah actually i managed the guy who did that really shitty pop song <laughs> yeah. we made five hundred thousand dollars last year so eat one you know like right right so there's that part of it but for me i'm totally with you like you know i am opinionated that way i definitely don't like the pop stuff the bro country stuff like sorry florida georgia line you know if we, if we aren't friends now it's i'm sorry <laughs> but I, I definitely am into that subgenre of i guess they would call it outlaw country kind of in town they used to call like Willie and Waylon outlaw country back in the day. And that, so that term is kind of morphed into it's the people who are playing outlaw country are just playing real country. It's just the country music of the fifties and sixties with a little modern spin on it. Um, but yeah, I mean that, that sound is very much like a, or you could say Midwestern country or Western country or Midwestern swing, stuff like that. Um, but it's weird for me because I'm kind of kind of going into this blanket of Americana for the next record. Oh, nice. Just, just because 
uh, I can do, I have a little bit more freedom. And because country is so convoluted, I, my first debut record I put out under country on, well, iTunes doesn't exist anymore. So that's, that's the end of an era, but well, you know, on the, on the genre side of things, country and, and I'll always be a country artist. It's just, I think the next record to play it safe, I'm going to go into the Americana zone, which has a lot of the same sounds. It just means American music. Um, because I just can't, I want country to come back to its namesake and it's and home base. Uh, and I do think it will once this fad era of pop country dies out. I mean, you're not going to be playing a lot of these pop country songs, you know, in your fifties, you're going to be looking back and being like, for me, if I was looking back in my fifties right now, uh, in the future, old Dilly, I'd be looking back and, and, and for the listeners out there, look these people up. They're great artists in Nashville and, and around the world. I'd be, li- I'd be listening to Leah Blevins. She'd probably have a bunch of records out by then. Uh, you ought to get a hold of her for an interview too. She's great. She's definitely. Uh, Leah Blevins, I'd be listening to Paul Cawthon. I'd be listening to Lily Hyatt and Lily May. Lily May and I, she was on Third Man, uh, Jack White's label, Third Man Records. She didn't get dropped or anything. I don't want to say too much about what she had going on. I don't know about it, but she's not with them anymore. But she, she, she went, you know, through the roof with that record label. They did a lot for her and she made some cool records. So me and her have a track coming out. But yeah, artists like Leah, Leah Blevins, Lily May, Lily Hyatt, Paul Cawthon, um, Nikki Lane, and of course, like Margot Price. These are some of the names that are like what you would call outlaw country, but these are the cats that are actually holding together the namesake of country. And I hope to be a part of that too. Uh, even though record two is Americana, record three, we're coming straight back. I already had record three written. So we're in the process of recording oh, record yeah. two. So record three is going to be like super old timey. Um, but more like a band atmosphere. The first record was kind of just like me, more acoustic vibes and like pedal steel. Like you could probably say pre uh, Opry before they allowed drums. Like the Grand Old Opry did not even allow drums for like, yeah, I could be wrong, but like somewhere in the sixties. Wow. Country was like very bluegrass based almost in the fifties and sixties, you know, lots of harmonies, lots of, lots of guitars, you know, fiddle, mandolin, stuff like that. And now the guitar, I mean, the guitar arrangements of modern country is like, why does that dude have fucking distortion? And he's playing like a, some wild ass custom guitar is like, where's the Telecasters? So, you know, I hear these like wild ass solos and country songs and I'm like, that was a blues solo. Right, right. You know, so um, I do respect everybody who makes money on music and how they do it. And it's, it's hard to make a living doing it. So I won't shit on anybody, but I, I do have to say my favorite. And I think the most genuine part of country right now is those people make, it's probably why they're not as famous as some of these pop country artists, pop country sells, but these fringe artists or up and coming artists that are holding on to that sound. It's, it's a good hill to die on. You know, if it's, I've kind of said, like, if my style of country never makes me, you know, like a Garth Brooks superstar, that's fine. Um, I'm making a living and I want to make a living. That's all I really wanted. And, and, and build fans and get, get to know your audience and get to know everybody else's audience and, and spread my base out. But at the end of the day, it's about integrity, doing something that you feel good about and releasing and, uh, and making some money, you know? So dude, I couldn't agree more, man. And you, you're fucking right, dude. When it comes to your style of music, it's so weird that it's considered outlaw country. Like it's, oh, he's a, he's an outlier. Like, dude, no, that's what that music is. That's literally yeah. what it is. Like, it's the most, yeah. it's the most pure form of what it is. In fact, I don't know if you ever saw, uh, 
the show. It's called uh, The Ranch on Netflix. The Ranch. Yeah, it came out. It. it came out like two years ago. It was with uh, Ashton Kutcher and uh, fucking uh, what's the dude from Tombstone? Uh, older cat, Sam Elliott. Oh, you, Sam Elliott, the best yeah. mustache in the world, yeah. Of course. Would you remind me of Doc Holliday? Like, fucking, as soon as I like, yeah, when I get the mustache back for sure, I'm kind of going beard right now. We'll see. I'm just getting lazy, but I'm sneaking the mustache, the big old mustache back in. I got to get it back, man. Get it back. Doc Holliday is a good look. But yeah. um, the music in that show, it's all that type of country music. It's all the old school type because it's based That's off cool. like them living on a, on a ranch and having that style of living. Like, so. And I heard it and I heard your I heard your record and I was like, dude, this this for sure is the ranch style fucking music, dude. This shit's awesome. Like it's it's perfect what you would hear in the show. So I, I highly recommend it. But um, but you're right, dude. No, no, I'll have to I'll have to watch that. I love that. I love that feel, man. There's there's also a big fad of like Midwestern attire coming back too. It's so yeah. I think there's it's not I think it's not just the the old country stuff. It's like people just Americans right now are really digging into that Midwest vibe whatever it is i mean yeah true probably in nashville sully he played for nikki lane for a while and i think it was the drugs and the the wildlife but he straight up just like moved off to wyoming to i think wyoming to be a cowboy and like literally is out there on the range like shooting gophers you know like running horses you know hundreds of horses back back to the ranch and it's just like the the life he's living is is the the life that people wrote about still write about but i think there's this huge huge fascination with the ranching world you're seeing it in like all these new tv shows for example and stuff like that and like i mean guys like Coulter wall you know i mean yeah he's actually a rancher like the dude's not bullshitting like if there's anybody more real i think right now he's a year younger than me there's anybody more there i don't think there can be anybody more real right now uh and shout out to Coulter wall for this reason he's just he's living the life it's actually he's you know he's living in i think saskatchewan Canada and he goes back and he lives on the ranch and does all the ranch shit and writes wicked, wicked songs. He's actually living that life. So I do think you have to be a little bit of a country boy. You don't have to be such like a rancher Midwest boy, but I grew up in Lancaster County by all the Amish people and understood slow country living uh, and farming and that kind of lifestyle. It kind of works its way into your bones. Like it is a bit hard to write midwestern country if you're sitting in the middle of the city you know that's why i live on the outside of the city in nashville i'm in madison now oh nice uh, i just moved to madison so it was like i'm right out of the city limits but it's just far enough for me i got a backyard i can chill it's a little quiet um but yeah dudes like Coulter wall i mean he's living that shit it's it's, it's the dream i would look like that's literally where i want to end up it's like on a ranch someday with with enough cattle to get me through the apocalypse and some guns and hang out you know <laughs> yeah dude 100 percent, dude that's that's the most perfect setup i really think about dude is I me mean, people people a lot of times they get caught up in like what, what you're supposed to do now like get money and yeah it's great i fucking i need money you can't be like a fucking weirdo without money yeah uh, i'd love to be a hermit bro trust me yeah yeah but once you fucking get the cash dude like it's once you get it you actually do crave the shit like that you crave like ranching you crave uh being outside green outdoors everyone i know who's made money starts doing all the outdoorsy shit eventually because you're just like, yeah, it's cool. It's great. And then now that I have it, fuck this shit. I'm over it. Yeah, right. Dude, it's it's such a funny thing. Like back in the day, like really back in the day, like frontier days when America was not a perfect country at all. But land was cheap. And you could you could go and stake a claim somewhere and build a house. And yeah. the government was like, cool. So that's your house. And that was before, you know, housing tax and all that shit. And you could just go do that as a man. It's like now you just you have to work so hard in the system this babylonian money system that we're in 
uh, and the debt system that we're in. You have to accrue debt with the banks. You got to pay, you got to play pussyfoot with the banks. You got to build your credit. You got to do all this crazy shit. You can't just go out in the woods and be a cowboy, you know, anymore, hunt and just survive off the land. And I, right. that whole way of life is pretty much gone in America. It's definitely gone in America unless, you know, you inherit the land through your family and it gets passed down to like farmer type shit. But there are a lot of places in the world that are still kind of outside that money system, mainly tribal places, which yeah. are the holdouts of the old form of civilization. And I, I hope the, like, for, for example, some of these Amazonian tribes, I hope to God we never touch them. Like, I hope that, like, we go to space and, like, we have a civilization on Mars and the moon and, you know, a series and all these moons around Saturn. And we have, like, in a thousand years, we have full-blown intergalactic civilization. And the Amazonians still don't know. <laughs> there, there needs to be that part of human civilization that's connected to our ancestors instead of this really wild, um, I call it the Babylonian money system because it started with Babylon and it's this idea of, debt and owing things to the government and the government having control over every aspect of your lives monetarily, you know? Uh, I, so it's, it's weird. That whole point came about because it's like, I would love to go just fuck off to the woods and yeah, me too, dude. Do, and do that, you know, and, and kind of unplug from civilization and the whole po political scheme is how dirty it is. I would love to unplug from all that, but you have to stay in the system long enough to unplug. Yeah. We're a homeless person. You have to stay in the system and play the system to get back to what our ancestors had. So it's funny, like being a modern man, you have to absolutely, you know, be this almost alien entity. It's an alien system. I almost wonder if it was brought here or, or influenced by outsourced, you know, some alien shit. I swear I, we could go down that for an hour. But <laughs> I do think the system, this new modern system of, you know, debt and government control and organization is such a new idea and to be a modern man you have to really understand okay i gotta hustle i gotta make money i gotta have side hustles i gotta be able to sell shit i gotta be able to sell my t-shirts i gotta do all this marketing i gotta have an ego you know and then if you're lucky you get enough money and then you can just get naked and trip shrooms on your ranch you yeah know? Like, <laughs> a good dude like it's it's really insane dude i have a i have a buddy like the other day and i swear he was he was like complaining and he was like, dude, like I make, cause he's a, he's a cop over there in LA. And he goes, I make okay. over a hundred thousand dollars. And I was like, I don't live with my parents or anything. He's like, but dude, I, I, I literally can't buy a house. That is, that's, that's great money. Like yeah. that's, and it's probably cause he's in LA. I mean, that's so fucked up. If right. he was making that kind of money here, I mean, the cops here right. probably don't make that much because everything oh, no, yeah. is like, you know, cost of living's down, but also you don't get paid as much here. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, especially if you're a damn musician, I mean. A lot of, I shouldn't say that. A lot of places I play, really, in my residencies, they do take care of me. Um, but, yeah, on that kind of money, man, there's absolutely no reason dude shouldn't be able to buy a house. I mean, there's That's a reason insane, right? people are flooding out of California, man. There's dude, everyone's taking off from here, dude. It's it's not that it's not beautiful or whatnot, but, dude, like, it's just there's there's too many problems, man. There's there's way too many problems. There's it was too cool for too long, and the bubble's got to pop eventually. I mean, yeah. I still want to live in California someday, but it's like Cali. Well, it depends on what part of California. Let's let's talk about LA. Um, you know, as far as like LA, I could never imagine living there. My buddy right now, Samuel Walker, he's gonna be. You're gonna see him on a one of Denzel Washington's films coming up soon. He's really oh, good nice as an actor. But I mean, he he lived he lived in the back of Shia LaBeouf's acting uh, facility, the the place that he has. I forget I forget the academy was called, but he has an acting school down there. So he worked with Shia for a long time got really good but the dude had 
the drive you need to make it in LA. Like literally before he was getting roles and getting enough money to like pay rent, he's living in the back of this, like, like a closet. Jeez. And I'm like, that's what you have to do in LA. <laughs> it's like, if you're some young up and coming dude, like you're living in a closet. So sorry, young kids hearing this podcast. If you're about to move to LA, <laughs> uh, you're going to live in a closet. Yeah. Or, you know, or have a flat without a bathroom or something crazy. Like the, the prices to live out there wasn't the main deterrent and causation for me to come to Nashville. I mean, I was paying $225 a month my, when I first moved here, bro. Holy shit. Eight years ago. Mind you, we had that whole like bachelor pad, like homeboy's got his girlfriend in the room upstairs. I got my girlfriend in the room downstairs. Right, right. Two other roommates. So there's six of us in this tiny little house. But I mean, that was that was when I could just rage. I was, you know, just coming of age 21 here and shit, coming a man here, having a blast. And I mean, 225 allowed me the wiggle room to be like, okay, I can have a little bit of fun. Like I don't have to work every day. That, right. That's the, that's what I think lets the musicians of Nashville thrive is the way it's kind of set up here. Like you can get cheap rent still. And you don't see musicians flock into areas that are super expensive they are always historically even artists are underpaid people because of their vocation you know we're not athletes you know we're not actors uh some of us are um actors and you know musicians but this tra this trade historically is you know you might get paid in beer if you come into a town in the medieval ages and you just sing your ass off and they call you a bard yeah so, so in the modern age it's like you're gonna go where you can pay rent and still be able to like be an idiot savant of it and like sleep in and like, you know, be drunk at one o'clock in the afternoon, as long as you don't ruin your life and become alcoholic, like, many <laughs> like very many musicians, but if you can keep all your drugs intact and you can balance your work and, and your life, it's like, you can live this super, uh, vibey life, man, just a really, a re it's a really cool way to live but what i'm trying to say is like that's harder to find if you're in a place like la or like san francisco or some shit you know or like long beach or some shit and it's like you're working six days a week at the bar so you can have one fucking day off it's like what are you gonna see four shows a fucking month you're gonna that's see it. max four shows a month that's whack i see four shows in a fucking night that's what i mean, you know what I'm I mean? Like, like, i'm that's, gonna get better like how about how you gonna how you gonna get better if like you're literally working all fucking day like it's it's your craft and that, that's my point like yeah the cost of living is just ridiculous even if you get a cheap spot down here dude it's still like you still gotta at least pay all your shit you're still living in California everything's expensive yeah. down here dude so like to be a to be a true artist down here is tough man it really is like uh um you see like even someone like John Mayer dude John Mayer had all the fame had did everything and he still left he was like I'm going to Wyoming like I can't do this yeah thing. that was funny bro yeah that he went through the Cali stage and then went straight to the middle of nowhere which. Uh, I guess that was during his vocal su surgery, mainly. Yeah. 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 I That that was the craziest thing. I cannot believe a guy who relied on his voice so much literally had to do such an extensive surgery. But yeah, man's literally went out to the middle of America. I was like, that that was my favorite stage of his, at least like visually. I'm sure he was not enjoying not being able to speak. Um, but yeah, he would walk into places and, you know, be wearing his poncho and his hat and stuff. And people would just be like, oh, who's this guy? Yeah. And they had no idea. But that's the way that's that's how I like it. It's just like you said, that's what people crave. Uh you mentioned it earlier, like with the Amazon tribes, dude. Like uh I saw a documentary a couple of years ago with David Beckham, dude. And David Beckham went to the Amazon 
Like you legit went to the Amazon and like you had a tour guy and the tour guy is giving him all kinds of fucked up rules. Like, hey, don't look this way or an anaconda's going to bite your ass. Don't do this one. Don't. There's a panther over there. Pay attention. And he's like, he's starting to get scared now. He's starting to realize, like, oh shit, like this is not uh, as cool as I thought it was. I'm like, taking back part of the food chain now. Yeah. He's like, why the fuck am I here? I was only doing it probably. I don't know. He specifically said like he wanted to get like humbled and whatnot. But it was interesting to see like when he went and all these tribe members had no, they don't know who the fuck he is. They don't, they don't know anything. Right. They know nothing. They're just like, who's this fucking? And they're looking at his his skin. They're like, holy shit, this motherfucker's white. Like, they never, I've never seen this because they literally, like, yo, I can see his blood. Can you see his blood? He's pig. Yeah. He's a pig. <laughs> they're like tripping. They were like touching him and shit. Like, oh my god. Like, yeah, bro. It was insane, man. And it, you can see him getting emotional and whatnot. So I think, yeah, like I said, once you start getting like either your money or your fame or whatever the hell you start getting, dude, like you only crave that life. So if you can appreciate it from the get go, like the way you do. Dude, you're fucking golden because anything else that comes later, you already you can already take it with a grain of salt. You already know, like, all right, yeah. I can be wary of this or I can I can go down this road a little bit, but I, I have to come back to where my natural roots are, man. So that's that's good, dude. Yeah, I think you can't. I mean, as a pop star, maybe you don't have to do that. I mean, sometimes you can develop an ego that is just so massive uh, and that can be good. It can be bad. You know, like a lot of a lot of hippies and I do mushrooms and stuff. And, you know, I listen I listen to Joe Rogan. Yeah. Um, and. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, and I, and I love that life, but I also understand the importance of an ego, uh, in a, in a positive light, as long as your ego serves you, it's Correct. like, a, yeah. it's, it's like, uh, like light armor, you know, it's not like real armor. It's like psychological armor. It's like, this is who I am. So I identify as to get through the world and music or fame, uh, if you allow it will absolutely just inflate your ego till you just aren't a person anymore. You're, you're, you just become an archetype of sorts. Yeah. You can't take that off on and off stage. It will absolutely consume you and you'll have no, it almost sounds like you lose your soul in exchange it for the ego. So I, I don't, I, I could never be in a situation where I allow it to get so big to where like, I'm just doing interviews all the time and I'm on every talk show and every tonight show and just have everybody blow smoke up my ass. Like, you know, that is great. And I'm sure if, if I was ever invited to go sit with Jimmy Fallon or these guys, I would absolutely be ecstatic. But what I'm saying is the there's people that you'll, you'll see John Mayer went to this stage too, you know, Lady Gaga went to this stage too. And we were, you know, like you were just saying, it's kind of a full revolution. It's almost like people go through this ex eccentric pop stage and in front of the cameras. And then all of a sudden they're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. It's like they get their dose of it and they're like, I want to play dives. Like Lady Gaga came through, uh, through Nashville and played a bunch of dives. And I was like, you know, I'm back when I was a little more opinionated, I've grown up a bit, but I was just like, man, fuck Lady Gaga. I don't like this shit. Why is she coming to play <laughs> dives? Like, get the, get the fuck out of town. And then my friends who saw her shows were like, bro, it was really beautiful. Like, she was like playing with a small band, people from Nashville at Little Dives. And you know, when you can get your head out of your ass sometimes and stop being so opinionated, you can start to see people who for, the, for who they are. And I just respect, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm a country boy. I just respected her so much that she was like dropped all the garb and the costumes and the dancing and all this shit and just played like a real tour. And I was like, fuck yeah. But she had done so much of that. I think it was like, okay, time to show you guys who I am. Uh, and I think that's the difference between like, that's a good example, like the hyper ego compared to like, okay, the not so much the death of the ego, like, you know, shroom trip to be an artist. You, I, you know, I can't be doing that all the time. If I'm a space cadet and I don't, uh, you know, it's almost like I lose this, I lose the ego too much. And that's why I don't do acid anymore. I used to do a lot of LSD. 
but not anymore. Sorry, mom. Uh, <laughs> but not anymore. You know, uh, I just kind of realized like um, shrooms are just just enough for me to like kind of put my take off my ego like clothes for a second, and I can still kind of pick it back up in a way. Um, but I think yeah, with like with the sharp contrast is like Lady Gaga with all the crazy costumes. Uh, compared to like Lady Gaga and like a little pair of short shorts and like a top and a cowboy hat Nashville. I just, I was like, I get, you know, you're wearing the hat thing to be the Nashville vibe and maybe it's a little disingenuous, but then like I heard from my friends who saw shows, they were just like, this was, this is incredible. Yeah. So that's, that's what I respect more is like, show me something vulnerable. I don't want to see your popped up ego self. You know, we're yeah. all human beings. We all, Although melanin has changed our skins, we are all biologically human beings related, one family. So that means everybody is human. You're going to know how to approach them. They should act human. Right. Yeah. Kind of inhuman when you get, you know, greedy and egotistical. And, you know, that's a whole other world that I think just separates people from people. And it doesn't make sense to me. So I think there's a natural um, evolution or devolution maybe back to, you know, I don't want anybody to know me. It's kind of weird. They get the fame and then it's like, nobody look at me anymore. You know? Yeah, dude. <clears throat> once, once you realize that you could be stoned, and I don't mean that like by being faded. I mean like once people can get rocks and stone you, then you're yeah. like, fuck this. I'd rather just not even, I'd rather be the one throwing the rocks. <laughs> fuck this yeah, shit. man. I mean, it, you, and, and especially now, if you want to be some dumbass spout in your mouth on Twitter, like, yeah, I've, Jesus Christ. I've always been careful with what I say, but you know, um, I don't think it's cancel culture. People are all like, cancel culture, this, cancel, cancel culture. So there's these like weird pretzel knots people are tying their brains into about this kind of shit. And it's just humans have always been good. Not as good as we are now, you could say. You could say some of the most moral, kind, compassionate, like philanthropist kind of people in the world are probably better than the, the best people in the era of slave trade. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So as a whole, we are definitely moving forward. Uh, as a whole species but we still have this part of society that's watching each other we're, we're social creatures and if someone fucks up you know, like you said once you have the ability to be stoned you can get stoned everybody must get stoned bob dylan said it there it is and it's like you get to that level and people are just paying attention people are always paying attention to what people say that's what moves society forward hey don't do that hey maybe you shouldn't do that you know in, in a loving way that's what moves society forward not like I mean, I guess the Civil War was not a loving way to fix an issue, um, but it fixed the issue. And I think there's always this part of human society that's saying, yeah, we should be better than that. So I don't really believe in the idea of cancel culture. I think it's something that existed long before the fucking internet. It's just that now uh, it's like taking an acoustic guitar in that era and then amplifying it. It's just, the internet is a reverberation yeah. chamber. It's an amplification process. We're using it, it right now to amplify what we both do. Yeah. So yeah, you got to be on your toes, man. Like shit. Like even more, you can get stoned now than you could when you could back then. I mean, yeah. But maybe you deserve it. Maybe. I mean, I think most of the issue is like I, I think uh, words matter to an extent. I don't know. I don't think they matter that much, to be honest with you. Like, right. um, and the reason I, I think they matter if you let them matter. I think that's that's what it is. You know, like when it comes down to it, man. Like I have friends that. My God, dude, I've said the worst things too. And it's all jokes, clearly. Right. Like, they know my intent. They know I'm kidding. And they know I yeah, love it's them. Intent. It's intent nope. for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, and I realize that's why comedians are having such a hard time. Dude, to it's be the honest. worst, man. It's you the know? worst. Like, you don't even want to go on stage anymore. You're like, I can't even say one fucking joke about anything. Everyone's going to lose their fucking yeah. mind. 
like, of course, there's always the jokes that are off off limits, stuff that would offend people deeply. But like now people are getting offended at the dumbest shit. Just like comedy is most of the times at the at somebody's expense. You know, correct. Just, correct. That's really how it is. Busting right. Up, like taking the piss out of somebody. Right. So it's like, how do you take the piss out of somebody in a world where everyone's so offended? And I think that if we're if we want to go deeper on that concept a little bit, I think everyone's so offended because they're insecure and they're insecure because of the Internet. I agree, dude. So I agree, man. It's like, you know, you can't make a joke about me. I'm insecure. Like, I'm secure in myself. You can take the piss out of me any day, and I'm going to laugh my ass off. Right. You know? Exactly. You can, make fun, you can make fun of my tiny chain. You can make fun of my hat. I don't give a shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you can take the piss out of me, and I'd have a blast. Right. You know? Uh, but not a lot of people do. Some people really, it really hurts their feelings, and they go home, and they're like, you make fun of me. Dude, yeah. I'm it's comedy. I'm with you, man. It's, it's, it's for me, I'm actions over words kind of guy. Like if they, if they, even if someone's saying some really harsh things, you're like, what is he doing to you? He's doing nothing. He didn't touch you. He didn't push you. He didn't do anything. I'm like, then who cares? Just walk away. Big fucking deal. Like get over yourself. Yeah. You there's, know? Uh, there's the, uh, there's freedom. Let me, I can put it this way. This is a funny way to put it. I'll have to tweet this too from the podcast. Uh, you have freedom of speech, but you're, you're still an asshole. So there's that too. It's like, you know, you can like, <laughs> You can, yeah, I can say what there's, there's, there's those people that are like freedom of speech. I can say whatever I want. That's like, yes, but it is like you said about the intent. It's like, you can still be an asshole or you can be like, I'm joking around. I'm not trying to ruin your day, you know? And right. there's so many nuances of comedy. It's like, if you tune into fucking Dave Chappelle and get offended, at Dave Chappelle saying some shit that Dave Chappelle says, you went into his house by, you know, entering into that program. Right. You know, by watching that program, it's like back in the day, that also was less of a problem. People who didn't like you didn't come to your shows. You know, yeah. the, we are absolutely in a new era of entertainment. And we all, we ought to do a, that's my cat playing with shit. We <laughs> ought to do a, we ought to do a, a podcast in the future, you know, maybe a, a second part series or something about being an entertainer in the, in, in the modern age. Cause it's, there are so many nuances to it that make it harder to navigate. But I do think if you're a good soul and you mean well, you can get through this minefield of an era of hypersensitivity and come out, you know, white as snow on the other side. You know, and Dude, that's, yeah. that's kind of the part of I'm saying it's like be a good person. Right. So there's, this, there's this whole like, yeah, there's a hypersensitivity of our generation. But also it's like if you're a good person, you know. You're fine. But there there is also people that want to shit on even good people. You know, there's they find reasons. So there's always gonna be haters. You know what I mean? Right. What are you gonna fucking do, man? Um, dude, well, tell me a little bit about like your influences growing up, man. Cause when I first heard your record, man, I was like, dude, this is like if fucking Elvis, Bob Dylan, and Johnny Cash fucked and then made this super baby. This thing is dude, awesome, that's a pretty man. that's a pretty good like uh, combo. Because those guys are really a lot of my influences. I mean, that's that's you you name some off the bat. Um I fell in love with Elvis Presley when my grandfather gave me an eight track player that I wish I had to this day. And it broke. And then we just threw it out because it was, you know, you just don't realize the value in some of that stuff until you get older and you're like, damn, you know, yeah, now we all have record players in our houses again. It's like shit. But, uh, I, you know, God bless rest of, rest of soul for getting me into Elvis because, but they were, they like, they like the, the Jesus Elvis. This is the great part about Elvis. He gave you two Elvises. If yeah, you did. Sexy Elvis. You just listen to Sexy Elvis. But then all like the people who were like, "No, don't play Elvis in the house. It's rock and roll. We don't hear none of that shit." That was my grandparents' generation, right? And 
So they didn't. They just had like his gospel records. Yeah. It was hilarious. Um, but so that's that, for Elvis fans. Like, technically. Yeah. I thought that was a genius part of his journey. And I know it was not just like Elvis got saved because Elvis was on drugs to the end. And I don't think drugs, to people out there who are religious, I don't think drugs exempt you from being saved. Let me put that as a side note. Uh, I think drugs are, are drugs and they have nothing to do with salvation. It changes your chemicals in your body. Um, but like, yeah, they picked very much the, the Jesus Elvis. So I think it's so cool that you can, you can get so much out of that guy and so much out of that music. And I fell in love with, uh, they did have the Luau record though. They just didn't like his rock and roll. Yeah. Like, rock and roll, man. There was no hound dog. None of that shit. <laughs> um, and I got, I listened to that Elvis in Hawaii record. Maybe, maybe a thousand times, you know, when I was young, because all the other ones were like, stupid gospel shit that we're just like no one no one ever knew about you know the same era but just like gospel you know the big bassy stuff all that stuff yeah yeah and that's great you know uh but uh i don't really jive with that kind of gospel i like the <laughs> you know like african-american gospel that's the good shit you know what i mean like white people gospel can get really hokey <laughs> yeah but elvis you know elvis knew how to do it um and i fell in love with that sound mainly the pedal steel uh luau like islander sound and it was just because of that record but that sound imprinted onto my mind in a way that i craved it in movies i craved it in other artists i cra- and then i didn't know it was the pedal steel that's what i was loving yeah you know until i got a little older maybe like you know nine or ten and i started listening to old country stuff and being like okay that's that's what makes the old country stuff good the pedal steel guitar you know yeah it's so cool dude. without a fiddle you know, so for me, it's like people, these modern country bands have ex- kind of exchanged the pedal steel for the electric guitar, which is, which is cool because the telly's cool. But uh, I like, as far as my stuff, to be very pedal steel centered. Like I'm putting melodies on afterwards. If I'm doing strings, I'm letting the steel guy go in the studio first and lay down the steel so that that's kind of, he has choice of melodies to take up the little gaps and put the, put the sweet stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, Elvis Presley, you know, like that took me like, you know, a while just to talk about that, but I could talk about Elvis all day because he had such an influence on my psyche. Like when I started playing guitar, I started writing poetry when I was in third grade. So oh, wow. six or seven and stuff. And I would submit my stuff to anthologies. So first I was a writer and just a, re- a really nerdy kid. Like I would stay in and read at recess, you know, like Edgar Allan Poe. Like yeah. That's fucking deep. Yeah, sad, bro. I was like, this is sadness. He loved her, <laughs> and then she died. <laughs> I'm fucking pissed writing this thing on recess. I should be out playing tetherball and shit. <laughs> I know, dude. I should be, like, living my life in the sun, and instead I'm reading, I'm letting Edgar Allan Poe, like, let me feel what depression is like. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, there's so, like, and then Bob Dylan for writers, so we can kind of segue into that. Like, you know, I've always loved the writers, so Bob Dylan was a much a part of, like, me being a writer as, as, as he was for me being a songwriter and like understanding ego and persona and like i idolized bob i mean he has my namesake i'm pretty sure mom spelled it like that because bob dylan she did say that's that was the reason it was on the radar was because bob dylan i don't think i was wow. named after bob dylan like she just loves bob dylan but they did like bob dylan song back in the day um and it's amazing that he's still alive yeah i know dude he just had his birthday yeah that's fucking nuts. still doing it he does podcasts he hangs out I think he has, he's got a whiskey company now, you know, he's a, he's just a still, still just a mellow guy, you know? Yeah, man. I didn't make a deal with the devil because I still to this day wonder how a man that 
couldn't sing made it that big <laughs> yeah man you know like i gotta shit on him a little bit i love his writing but like sometimes you're just like yeah he didn't make it for his voice you know so yeah dude and and as long as, long as you can just make it through the melody and singing key you'll be all right dude i mean he's, he's a living proof of that shit i mean absolutely it's the I'm writing like, man that guy's writing changed me in a way where like i <laughs> i'll never forget this bro I, I had not thought about this in a long time when i was listening to bob really getting into him like 11 to 13 was my Bob Dylan stage. Then like 13 to 16 was like my John Mayer stage. Like was, yeah, yeah. All I did was study him, his career patterns, uh, press, guitar playing. I, I, I know every lick to the live in Los Angeles show. You know, that <sighs> Such an played. epic record. I've studied that show, dude. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. But Bob took the right, kind of honed the writing for me. And I remember... Uh, maybe 13 I was going through my notebook like after really studying Bob and I don't know what was going on chemically I was probably just an angsty teenager and I'm like ripping out pages like this is trash like of my own work I'm just like this is trash this is cheap yeah. <laughs> you know like why is this so cheap it's not good it's not descriptive enough it's not storytelling enough I think I threw away the whole notebook which was dumb it would have been cool to have. And I did keep them after that. I remember being like damn why did I throw my own notebook but then what that did for me was like okay start over none of those songs None of the songs you wrote, you're going to play. Like none. Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't really playing out yet. I was still just kind of writing music. And then I started playing out at cafes when I was like 13 and doing some covers. I was doing a lot of like Neil Young at the time and Bob Dylan, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the reason I'm in the country run right now is, is more, I think, my Amish heritage and the love of like the Amish hymnals and that sound, which is so close to bluegrass and dad listened to bluegrass every single day if he could once he got accent in the truck my dad was was a truck driver now he owns like two businesses i'm glad he's not on the road anymore so damn that's awesome god bless him um but he he worked like, like a dog you know growing up so a lot of times when mom needed a break he would just get the kids piling in the, in the truck and so i mean first time i heard john denver just blew my mind for you know and then i honestly bro what got me to where I'm at now, phonically, with the sound that we're at now, you know, Elvis helped me build my voice. Dylan helped me write songs. John Mayer helped me figure out my guitar shit, you know, and I used to be kind of like, wouldn't mention that John Mayer is one of my influences. And I, you know, because I was like, that's ah, kind of cheesy. Like, he's kind of poppy and a weird dude. And then I was like, I really reflected and realized if it wasn't for him, I would have never wanted, this, wanted a Stratocaster. Dude, yeah. And you know what's crazy, man? As I okay, so the John Mayer one is specific because I've told friends, I'm like, people ask me all the time. I've been playing guitar since I was like eight. I'm 28 now. So yeah. um, so people think I'm good and shit. I'm like, I'm just been playing for 20 years. Relax. Like I'm not right. if you're not good by 20 years, then you then there's a fucking problem. So like yeah, yeah, you don't get the guitar. At that point, it's like you don't get it. Right, right exactly. You just so, don't get it. Exactly. But I used to tell my friends, they'd ask me, like, who's like the star of like music? Like in terms of like who's the star of like a guitar and they're always surprised when i say john mayer because they always think poppy stuff and i'm right. like you have no idea like like especially those records when he moved to montana i'm like dude you you guys have no idea as a blues as a blues guitar player as a dude. total as a total guitarist he can literally do everything and he shreds better than anybody i'm like dude he is in terms of making riffs he's better than everybody i'm like dude yeah. he is he's the modern day like he's a he's a master dude you're talking guys dude, like Eric yeah. Clapton that are saying this dude's a master like he you can't touch them. And then they're always surprised. And then once they go down the rabbit hole with John Mayer, dude, that's when they lose it. And they're like, 
fuck, dude. Like once I got past fucking your body as a wonderland, holy shit, dude. Like this dude is a yeah. killer. I was listening to those live records, man, and studying the licks and the and the and the note choice. And he'll switch from keys. He'll do a lot of, I mean, I didn't start doing major minor stuff, you know, like in a minor scale, in a minor scale, you know, hitting a major riff or in a major scale, hitting a minor riff and seeing him switch between scales and stuff was blowing my mind. And I was like, how do you get these sounds? And the, his bending patterns and stuff, the, 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 where he bends too, he bends them like everyone's got their own style that way, how they bend. I think you hear more, more of a blues player style in their bends, you know? Yeah. Country's a lot of chopping and, 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 you know, just hammering it, you know, right. Um, for note, for note, for note, for note, you know, bends here and there, but that's why I fucking love the blues. And that's why every time we end a show to anyone who comes sees us, like we're kind of working up this blues jam. That'll probably end up being a song that'll follow us all the way through tour. It could be something we, we still close out shows with in two years. Like it's a fucking heavy blues jam at the end. Oh, I love I mean, that. And it just, dynamic up and down you know you need a minor blues jam and sometimes sometimes it goes for like 10 12 minutes and it's because wow. it's steel steel but we're adding pedal steel now like i love hearing pedal steel play the blues like yeah that's like, unique dude that's unique like holy shit dude you can get some really cool sounds everyone expects pedal steel just to be like you know only country like riffs and that's where it does shine but god hearing it on some up i hope we record the track that way so i can show people because right now it's just a song we do live um but I mean, there's so many nuances uh, if we're talking about just, you know, the blues and people and, and, and influences on, on American consciousness with the blues. It's people like, you know, John Mayer championed that. But, it, you know, if it wasn't for Albert King oh. and, uh, training Stevie Ray, we wouldn't have no John Mayer. So, yeah, Stevie Ray used to sit in with Albert King. And Albert King is my, when I play the blues, you know, if I'm playing country, I'm holding down chords. I'm the front man. I can focus on singing. I'm holding down the chords. Maybe I do like a Willie like solo every once in a while, more jazzy, you know? Yeah. But if I'm playing the blues, my pat, my note choices and, and the way I play is so much like Albert King. Yeah. Because I, I, I consume so much, so many Albert King records, man. And I recommend anybody out there listening, really, if you hadn't gotten Albert King, take time and realize that he is probably, for me, the greatest American blues artist of all time. And I love B.B. King. And I died the day BB. I, I died inside. The, I cried the day BB King died here. That's what happens when you smoke like one hit of, of weed. Kids. <laughs> so, uh, but dude, BB was one of the best. But for me, between BB and Albert King, like you know, I just love Albert King. Had all of it, dude. He had all of what blues is and was. And uh, yeah, so the blues is a really big part of my life. Really big part of my life. Yeah. But I, I hate to say this. I just had this epiphany where I was like, I'm not going to sell blues records. Yeah, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. I actually I have an Albert King and Stevie Ray Vaughan record just right here, man. And putting it on because I have a, I have a, my the producer of the show. He's a fucking half a fucking moron, and uh, he I have to like give him the culture because he's his parents never gave it to him, unfortunately. Yeah. So I got I got to fucking like, dude, sit down, put this on, turn off your TV, fucking drink a whiskey and relax. But yeah. listen, don't just like put your phone away. Or I swear to God, I'm gonna stab you in the neck. Fucking. <laughs> He's like, because he drives me fucking nuts, him just sitting there. And he's like, I got to have this screen and this screen and this screen. I'm like, You're no, I know, bro. Asshole. What is that? Yeah, that's a whole other topic. But, yeah. but yeah, those are the records you can sit down and be like, okay. Yeah. Those shit. were talking like some Pink Floyd records, a good Metallica record, something. I'm like, sit down and fucking pay attention. But, yeah. um, you know, it's funny. You mentioned earlier that you said that uh, you were like writing and you're throwing away your papers and stuff. And then I, I did, it's, it's kind of like ironic that your your album is Old Letters. And it's about kind of like 
not doing that. That's unique, man. Yeah, and I did burn her letters. <laughs> I held on to them, and then I did. Um, took me a while to let go. But I wrote old letters about a specific person, I won't say, uh, in, in my life in the past. And we had a really, just a really bad, bad falling out. Mm-hmm. Um, just got really nasty, you know, and people, when you love somebody and then for so long, it's like people always think that on a clock, 12 o'clock being here, six o'clock being here, and this is love. People think hate's the opposite. Well, really love and hate are right here on the pie. Yeah, dude. So true. Yeah. You're not, you almost can't hate something without loving it first. It's the strangest emotion. Yeah, dude. And I don't hold any hate now for people in my life, but it's like, once someone you love so deeply, it's like once that is taken out of your life, it's some people use hate as a defense. Uh, and there's a, but there's a line in that song that's, that she said this to me, but I, I just wrote it in a different way. She said this to me at a bar, uh, which is I went home and wrote the song that night I left. I was devastated. I saw her after a while. She sat me down. She was like, can I talk to you? And I was like, I'm on a date right now. And she's like, can you please just sit down? And I'm like, oh, Jesus. I'm all, like, you know, drunk so like i'm already gonna be softer and i sit down i'm like already trying to cry i got that like lump in my throat and just like yeah and she just like we don't say anything for a while and i'm just sitting there just like not having it like i don't want to fucking be here talking to you right now but i, I used to love you so i'm gonna sit and i'm gonna let you, we're gonna talk we hadn't spoken in like months after like this tragic breakup where she got the dogs and she got the house and like uh that's why the line in old letters is i left that old house let you keep my old dog you know so, cause I couldn't take the dog with me in the next place. They didn't allow dogs. So like, that was another heartbreak for me. And I still dream about that dog. Uh, I'm still in love with the dog. You know what I mean? And more than anything. Um, but she literally said at the bar, she was like, I don't hate you anymore. And the line in the song, I said, I don't hate you. I said, I don't hate you either. But in the song, it says, I don't hate you too. And I thought that was the coolest way to be like, to say making pieces. Like, I don't hate you too. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, there were, that was the moment where it was like, okay, now I can start healing from this, you know, and people always, you know, breakups sound like the most menial pain until you lose the one person that means everything or did, you know, and, and you go through different stages in your life. It's like, there's a lot of different emotional pain, but God, who doesn't love a good, sad, like breakup record, you know, <laughs> it's phenomenal, man. I really, I think about that too, because it's so difficult to like go through something like that. Everyone does go through it, but to go through something like that and then to utilize that energy to make it into something like that. Like, do you ever like play it and get choked up or do you ever think about it? Or it's now just like much anymore because of the love in my life. Now, I think it's kind of all those old wounds are healed. But when I do channel that song, there is, it's like vestigial. There's still an energy on that song. So yeah, I think I, there, there has been times, you know, it depends on how, how deep I get into it. I think, I almost try to get sad for that song because that is the spirit of it. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to do something super upbeat and then go right into old letters. Like I don't even play old letters at my band sets. I do it when I play my, like by myself or with a steel guy. Right. Um, you know, and it's going to be on uh it's at, there's actually going to be a YouTube version coming out. I think I'll be able to announce this, our vinyl, the uh, YouTube channel. You have to look them up. Really cool YouTube channel. They did Tyler Childers and uh, some other really, really good acts. Uh, they're releasing like a 45 minute segment on on me and like you know some some new tunes and old letters are gonna be on it so that'll be a, a space i think where i can finally have a video of it on a reputable channel where you can go see the the vibe of that song um and the expressions on my face because that that song may the namesake of the record it, it started everything for me 
with the sound because she played bass in the band. So oh, no our, wow. not the country stuff. I was playing in a rock and roll band at the time. Yeah. And still writing folk stuff and writing stuff on the side like that, but not recording it. I was recording a lot of rock and roll and all the records that I made when I was like 15 and 16, I won't even tell you guys where the rec- the links are for those, you know, <laughs> you know, or like what the project name was, you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to redefine myself with this, with old letters, this record. And, and I'd never put anything out on my name. I'd always been, always been playing with bands and thought that it was very democratic to play with the band and like, you know, you know, take it somewhere with the same crew and the same members. And, you know, and I love that way of doing it. And there's some bands in California right now, like of limbo, of limbo, for example, those guys, a band, real band, you know, and I used to, uh, you know, talk shit about Greta Van Fleet, but then I heard their new single and I was like, okay, Dilly, you're allowed to like them now. They're fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're fucking insane, dude. They're yeah. insane. Yeah. Everyone but- in Nashville was like, whatever it's yeah. all a zeppelin knockoff and i think they've just moved away from being super influenced by what they like and now they're starting to sound like them which i think is fucking cool for sure especially after- to them for listening to the people you know what i mean yeah, their Sounds first record cool. their- oh sorry go ahead go ahead oh, go ahead bud oh sorry no yeah their first record it was uh super good but yeah you're right it was uh led zeppelin as hell yeah, um, but I was I was pumped about it. I was like, dude, more Led Zeppelin. I'm fucking cool with that. I fucking love Led Zeppelin. So but, they keep the sound alive, at least. So yeah, for real. Yeah, and then their second one is when they really got their footing, dude. That's when like when I saw them do a cover of a, a Change Is Gonna Come from Sam Cooke, and I'm like, and then they got permission to do it, and they they did it almost. You can't do that song better, but dude, it's fucking goddamn close. And I was like, yeah. these kids are savages, dude. Like they're 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 clearly fucking warriors man they're covering sam cook on the record and they're only in their early 20s like these guys are fucking and then their next album they just came out with is it's very unique man and that's what i'm saying dude like it's people like it's people like you guys your your artists that actually keep it like to the fucking grindstone they keep it unique and keep it fresh dude like you got you guys are actually a breath of fresh air dude to be honest because you guys are just playing what the fuck you want to play there's no there's no like a you know you're like fucking Nebraska Bruce Springsteen to me. I fucking love that. Where you're like I feel that, bro. You know Yo, you're gonna love this next record. Then there's a song on the record. It's a Gillian Walsh tune, um, Elvis Presley Blues. Okay. And Herbert and Tom Jones did a version. So I'll have to sing the Tom Jones version, which is just you know Tom Jones is super just like eccentric suit, old school, just like old guy, you know. Right, right. Uh, people say Tom Jones is super corny who have torn with him, but like he's just so he's so good. And the tune, uh, the beginning is you know I was thinking that night about Elvis and the day that he died, and I did a version. I won't even give you much more because I want you to hear it. Uh, it's like a Bruce Springsteen like boppy like summertime like bop like up version of this song uh that's like almost like 60s rock and roll you know so yeah. that's why i'm putting this record on under americana because most of it's still country music it's, it's still a lot of country songs country writing but there's like dude i threw in a jazz tune i said fuck it dude like i'm doing like a new orleans type big band section for this jet ja- this jazz riff that came to me in a dream and i'm like when else am i gonna release this song fuck it i'm gonna do what i want when yeah I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the record out under americana tour this record and then next record i'm putting out another i'll go straight back to like country here's an americana record and then i have another country record playing straight country yeah wearing the suits and drop the gold chain for a second you know what i'm saying yeah (laughs) you just gotta you just gotta move in stages you know i'm i'm with you man every great artist always has stages and you're supposed to and and they always have that like that um 
that struggle where they're like, man, I want to like uh, appease my, uh, my fans and I don't want to, I don't want to upset them, but then like, but then they always end up going, fuck that. Like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And then they'll like me because of that. And that's usually what happens. And that's usually what creates great shit. Like it's always a surprise when the next album comes out and everyone's like, Oh, it doesn't sound like the last one. You're like, no shit. It's not supposed to. Yeah. Right. People <laughs> who actually listen to music. are like, good. That's great. Yeah. You no know, fans get like personally offended. Like I think the, the biggest reaction to that is that like Bob Dylan world that like was like, Oh my God, he went electric. Oh no. He betrayed the folk people. Yeah. Yeah. The folk armies against Bob Dylan. Yeah. You know, like there's a documentary on it for God's sakes. And the people are like, yeah. oh, they're all upset. Definitely. People have that reaction sometimes to artists being artists. And it's like, what do you fucking think? You think you really do you really think when he was sitting up writing at night, being super vulnerable and giving you a very vulnerable song that he thought, well, I don't want to write this song because they might not like it. No, he didn't fucking think that. And right. he's a real artist. He wrote the song. Exactly. You know, exactly. And, then, and then your record company is, and I don't have a record company, so I can talk shit, you know. Uh, I'm still independent of a record company and it's for a reason, you know, I'm not trying to sign and just give away my rights yet. Like until someone's trying to cut me a really fat deal. Right. Uh, right. We're like, okay, let me see how I can use a million dollar deal. Sure. I could use a million dollars to get, to make $10 million, you know, give me a million dollars. I'll make $10 million. You know, that's the way I work economically. You know what I right. mean? So I, you know, I can do that on a small scale now. I mean, give, give me a great label. I'll do that. But until then it's like, dude, so many of my friends in town who are on labels, they aren't allowed to play local shows. Like if I want to book with them, we used to play together and then they get signed to some major label and they're like, Oh, my agent won't let me play a show within the, you know, I played a show last week and I can't play a show for 30 days. And then they play 12 shows a year. And then everyone in town's like, who was that again? Yeah. You know? And like, if your label's not like fucking blasting you on the television or you don't get fucking Jimmy Kimmel within two years, you can burn out by being held back by these labels that think they know exactly what's best for you. And they want to make these records that are way too expensive. And then they want to try to tell you who to have in on the record and who to, who to, you know, which studio to use. I, I am not dealing with any of that. And the freedom that I'm feeling right now to make these records is the reason that I think they're, they could be some of the best records I ever make because no one's telling me what to do. I hope when I do get signed, I can be like, and I've lost deals because of this. I've lost major deals because of this. I know this because I'm an asshole. <laughs> In in the in the in the process, and I'm like, I don't want to make a record. I don't want to make. It. I'm just letting you know that right now. Like, we're you know looking at a major deal could change my life, and I'm just like, you know, anything else you want to say? And I'm just like, I want to have full control over this. I don't want to make pop country music. I want to make records. I want to make you know. And then I'm yeah. like, two weeks later, when they don't, they don't, you know, they don't call us back, and then, you know, get the manager to email and hey, you know, what's up? Well, we're not going to take him. And it's like, you know. A lot of these labels want, they do, they want people that are moldable like clay. It's just an easier business model than someone who comes in there and they're like, look, you have to let me have full control of this project. That scares these guys. It's insane. They're so business-like, dude. They're so business-like. They do not want to let right. go of the reins. It's and what, so they, what they don't get, dude, to be honest, what they don't get either is that like, if you just give the guy time to just master his shit. Um, even if it's a record comes out every four years, the fans are always pumped about it, dude. You're talking bands like a uh, like a lot of my favorite bands today are artists like a uh, uh, like the Lumineers. They're great. Uh, yeah. Bleachers. Uh, there's artists, a uh, South African artist, his name is Jeremy Loops. These guys come out with like records like every three four years, and like it, you're always like Kaleo. I love Kaleo. Um, dude, same. 
Yeah, and they're always, and everyone's like, man, when are they gonna come out with ship? You can sense the frustration of fans, but when it comes out, you're like, oh fuck yeah. So yeah, it's not Led Zeppelin, dude, where these guys came out with gems every year. Like that doesn't happen. That's probably never yeah. gonna happen again. Like where one album's epic, and then the next year, here's another epic album. Epic. Totally yeah, that's really hard to do. I'm in about like I'm at like a year and a half every record. So I'll have a record coming out this summer which will be like i guess almost two years from old letters old letters of 2019 that's fast dude that's awesome so wild bro and i'm glad i i'm i'm getting into this record process because this is very much a stage that i'm in right now that i need to record before i i move through it you know and then i know i'll always come back to the old country stuff but but man it's it's really i'm really liking being able to make my own records and I'm paying for my records, you know, because I'm running this like a business. I'm trying to run this whole operation like a business, you know. And, right. Um, we'll have to get, you know, I need to start sending out more t-shirts. I need to be like, hey, buy a million t-shirts. Like, shit, let's sell, let's make 10 grand of t-shirts this year, you know? Yeah, man. Um, but man, that's that's really do why I do like doing it this way. And I think I'm gonna be looking at labels for the next record. Like I'm gonna shop it out kind of. Yeah. That's kind of why I'm waiting in this in between stage. I want to shop it out and see if someone wants to be like, yeah, we'll, we'll hype that, you know? But it's so funny nowadays, like you pretty much have to make the record and bring it to somebody and then they just hype it. It's like even most small labels don't want to pay for your studio time. And, but really a small label, a local label is what I'm going to be looking for because then they let you have more control, although they don't have the big budget. So dream record label would be somebody who's got a massive budget. And it's just like, yeah, we fucking trust you. That, you know, that would right. be, that would be the ideal circumstance. Right. And I think I'll get there someday if I keep hyping this thing and pushing and pushing, because it is the big labels that, you know, that get, that get you to that mayor status to that, you know, right. The rock band Zeppelin status and stuff like they right. do still have that power. Um, not as much as they used to, but you know, power follows money. So right. Right. They're always going to have the most power in the industry. And I think, it'd be nice to just see them let artists be more artists instead of just being like, which graphs and which algorithms show us which music makes the most money. Now let's make that. That's literally what's happening. And that's why it sounds like a lot of, a lot of pop sounds like trash and there's good pop out there. I like pop. There is good pop. Yeah. You know, but you know, man, it's a, uh, it's funny. You mentioned that you got, you got to let the artist be the artist dude, because uh, there's a, there's a speech that always really fucking grabbed me by uh by JFK. And I'm not even like a political guy or anything, but like he had a speech, on a college campus, like in when he was running and shit. And um, it's specifically about that. He's talking, this was like during, they were trying to outlaw like a, a certain, like a certain, uh, a poet on their campus. I guess he had said some offensive things. And then he went on the speech saying, no, like, he's like, you guys got to let the artist be the artist. It's a, it's a whole long speech and it's phenomenal. If you ever have time, look it up. Yeah. 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 Send it and, to um, me. In fact, yeah, I'll send you a link to, uh, cause you know, actually did a really like wicked, super sick cover of it was uh, Kid Cudi. He released like some random, like it's a random little fucking snippet where he plays the speech and then he's playing like really like super cool guitar behind it, him and his producer. And uh, it's basically all about that. You got to let the artist be the artist. You got to let him do it. Like he's more sensitive than other people. Um, He sees the the world a lot differently and you got to let him take control of that and just let him do what he's going to do. And you're totally right. It's awesome, dude. I'll send send you the link to it and you'll, you'll fucking get a kick out of it. I would love to read that. Yeah, there's a there's a whole paradigm that comes with being an artist. It's like, okay, so so you signed me because you like my music, but now you don't want me to make my music. So yeah, yeah, exactly. It's strange, man. It's a strange thing, and it's just I think it's one like people just the human mind can be like a 
like a spider web. You get too many people's minds on something and it can get just like confusing and people think that they know what is good and they don't. And yeah. sometimes I think I know what is good and then people don't like it. And the oh, song dude. that I just bullshitted, people were like, that's fucking great. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's all these, you know, there's 7 billion people on the planet, 7 billion different paradigms. Yeah, you know how many fucking bits or jokes I thought of in my head and I used them on chicks and then they didn't laugh and I was like, fuck, yeah. that sucked. I thought you were laugh over that shit. Yeah, I'm yeah. drunk, yeah. God damn, that line didn't work. Oh, fuck, dude. Yeah, bro. I'm with but you. Yeah, bro. I think you got to let, you know, especially with, especially with the artists and understanding like everyone's perspective is different. It's like, I, I see so much of the human spirit being put into, into algorithms and like AIs and shit. And, you know, it's... Yeah that that kind of part of it is like everyone's like what are your numbers on instagram what are your plays on spotify you know and it's like that that's that's the part of like the technological side of the new the new music industry that is yeah it's weird for me because like shit you you get a million plays on spotify and you're still not making shit it's like what's going on here yeah that's weird right and you know what honestly that's that stuff is like it I know you're supposed to care about it, but like, I, I've never given a fuck. Even with this, even with the podcast, I'm like, I just care if it's good content and, and good yeah. guests. I good and, well, yeah. If you make good content, people will come. And then yeah. you have, then you have, like, you know, looking at it from our perspective, it's like, I can make three records. And then if somehow America just decides to fucking love me on record four, then they're like, oh shit, there's three other records. Yeah. They go back. They, yeah. Yeah. Same thing with a podcast, man. Like, you know, and I'll share the shit out of this. I'll, I'll make sure all my people hear this, you know, and we'll, you know, that's, that's what we're going to do is we'll work together in this industry. And we, you know, that's the great thing about the internet is allowing us to be able to do things we couldn't do before taking power from the industry in a way from the companies, uh, building it from the ground up, you know, I mean, exactly, man. Well, uh, Dylan Smucker, I promise you an hour. We did an hour, sir. Oh, cool, man. Down with it. Dude, so was and it's, it, it was so good to be on the program, man. For real. Have me back. You know, I, it was, it was easy to chat with you for real. It really was, man. Dude, yeah, I can't wait to have you back, man. Um, it's it's the fun thing doing this podcast shit, man. I've been talking about it for a long time and it started off as a goof and now it's it's somewhere. I don't fucking know where, but it's somewhere, man. And it's it's been dude, sooner, when I come out to Cali, we'll have to do something in person, man. That would be sick. Yeah, dude. You know what I mean? Maybe for record two or something, we can hype it. We'll get back together, get our heads together. Yeah, dude. I'll show you around. Dude. I got a I'm like a block away from Disneyland, so it's a fucking cool spot around here, man. <laughs> I'll bring the chick and go to Disneyland, man. That's what we'll do. Tremendous, man. You have a couch to crash on at my place, brother. Down, down, bro. Good to see you, man. Good chatting. Good chatting, dude. I'll see you later, brother. All right, bro. I'm signing off. All right, later. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Our interview with the great Dylan Smucker. Thank you to Dylan, man, for uh, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it, brother. It was a it was a great time. I I don't have a lot of people in my life I can speak music with candidly. Uh, so when I do get that opportunity, I, it's always a fucking blast, man. Most of my friends are just fucking idiots with no culture. So it it was a uh, it was beautiful for me, man. And I, I'm looking forward to the rest of your career. I'm looking forward to the rest of the music that you're coming out with. For those of you who don't know, now you motherfucking know. Go to Spotify, go to Amazon, go wherever the fuck you get your music. Type in Dylan Smucker and let that shit take you away, brothers. That's it. Brothers and sisters, let that shit take you away. And that's it, man. That's all I got to say. Um, congratulations again on being a father. I think that's, that's beautiful. And go to smoothmyballs.com slash alternate take and get 15% off. 
make sure them nuts are clean, baby. And that's it. Uh, thanks for guys. For Thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you silly bitches later. Peace. Until I die, until I die